Sisters in Medicine, this is Dr. Me First, a podcast all about authentic conversations between us, female physicians. Through my talks with other female colleagues, I hope to bring you encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun to your life and your practice. So no more feeling alone in medicine because you have found a community of truth speakers, lifesavers, and fierce females who want to support one another. I'm Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, and this is episode number 18. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Uma Menon, and she has chosen the topic of artificial intelligence. How awesome. I think you're going to love our little short conversation that we have today, and make sure that you stick around for that kick of encouragement. Oh, and by the way, if you hear noises in the background, that would be my oldest son playing Mario on our Wii because he was off from school that day and having a really, really good time kicking Bowser's butt. So just ignore that and listen to our conversation. Hey everybody, Dr. Wiseman back with you again today. I have another very special guest with a very saucy topic that I can't wait to get into. So Dr. Minon, please tell us all about yourself. So my first name is Uma, um, like the movie star Uma Thurman. And last name Menon. I'm uh, originally from India. I am currently practicing in uh, New Orleans. I'm a neurologist and I specialize in epilepsy. I also have an MBA in healthcare. So, you know, um, trying to do, you know, a little bit in healthcare to improve healthcare, that kind of thing. Meanwhile, I love what I do in neurology and epilepsy. And, uh, you know, I picked this topic of, you know, our physicians going to be obsolete because there's so much going on nowadays. And, you know, thought that might be an interesting topic. What do you think? I think it's going to be great. I know <laughs> that at first you had, you know, you, you messaged me about it and you're like, can we do this? I was like, oh, hell yeah, we can do anything. So I cannot wait to hear your opinion as far as, and just starting with that, how do you think our profession is becoming slightly obsolete now? Say that again. You broke up a, a bit. Sorry about that. Indiana has terrible internet connection. I said, how do you think as physicians we are starting to become obsolete in healthcare? So, you know, I, I don't personally, I don't think physicians will ever be completely obsolete, but, you know, uh, so many functions are taken over by other people um, and also artificial intelligence. So that is where I was going with this, you know, because there's so much of that, you know, with the electronic medical records and, you know, all the other things that's going on. So, you know, that's all. And, you know, I routinely have... A patients come to me, you know, like, oh, I researched uh, this on Google and that. So, you know, Dr. Google is, you know, our prime competitor. Um, so, you know, there's all those things going on. So, you know, you know, we are a lot of times, at least you know, for, for me, you know, I'm answering a lot of questions that they bring from Google or MD Consult or, you know, you know, whatever they look up um, in terms of whatever medical issues they have. So, you know, uh, and I don't know, I hear older, uh, you know, and I mean senior uh, people in the field talking about, you know, they never had this kind of issues. They just had people come and talk to them and, you know, uh, and, you know, there's no good or bad things. You know, it's good to have all the information before you go see a physician. But how much of all this is impacting, you know, um, how things are now in terms of practice? So that was, you know, one of my thoughts. Yeah, 
especially with your specialty of neurology, I feel like, um, cause I'm family medicine trained, I'm currently working in emergency room medicine that, you know, people, they Google their symptoms, they come in and they tell you they have, you know, Jean Beret syndrome. And you're like, no, you clearly do not, do not have that. But I, I do see, and like, like I said, in, neurology we're so much of it I mean I really feel like there's so much of the clinical exam and that like precise knowledge that patients don't recognize and that you cannot get from the internet that's right so but but interestingly you know the uh, whole uh, artificial intelligence is coming up with lots of algorithms which are helpful you know even for us to use because you know uh, you know, I have residents and students, and I, uh, if I ask them for a different di- differential diagnosis for something, it takes them, you know, a little while to think and come up with a list of, you know, what seems reasonable or whatever. Meanwhile, you hit Google in 0.25 seconds or whatever, you get like 40, you know, a list of 40 things. Or So, you know, there may be a place for all that, you know, in terms of, you know, using that kind of algorithms to kind of fit some of the things that you see um, into, uh, you know, what are the possibilities. But, um, you know, the other, and there, there are papers and stuff, and they've actually done, um, there was a paper in JAMA, uh, I believe in 2016, where um, some folks actually did some, uh, studying in terms of uh, predicting diabetic retinopathy and macular edema in patients. And they came up with some algorithm and, um, you know, it's they call it, you know, artificial neural network algorithm type of thing because they are trying to kind of look at it, the neural network type of thing. And they actually was able to predict, um, you know, how it would actually, you know, be. And uh, I'm actually looking at this paper where, you know, it came out as, I want to say, where was it? Um, that they, they, you know, this was actually something that uh, uh, JAMA actually wrote about it. Now, 2016 JAMA, if you look in that, there is a paper by Gulshan, G-U-L-S-H-A-N, Gulshan. Yeah, we can, we can link that, that into the show notes for you. You know, so they actually showed that it worked. Which, you know, is good. And also, you know, in that, they actually talked about some of these images because, you know, images particularly are very useful because if you have information, then, you know, computer algorithms can bring up. The only thing about that is to build up that uh, database, you know, of so much uh, images so that the machine can go through it and come up with a reasonable, um, you know, answer to the question type of thing. And that is where the big data, you know, we aren't doing all these electronic medical records and stuff. There's tons of data, which, you know, I don't know who is using it or how they are using it. You know, but this could be put to use and actually it will help us because that is going to give us a lot more information, just like, you know, our MRIs and CAT scans came into being, you know, it has to start somewhere. It's not necessarily to replace physicians, but as something that we can use. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just like hearing you talk about that. I mean, I think there is a place, like you said, that we can use the collective database of of all these images. And even there is a place, um, you know, for using Google in your medical practice. I think we just I think we got to get smart about it. And and I think it's a trial and error thing. I know, especially like as a resident, um, you know, I I'm five years out. So I still had books, but I also still had my smartphone, you know, like it, it in my white coat pocket. 
And, you know, I, I still think that that's still transitioning because the information in those, you know, handbooks um, can be so outdated so quick. And yet, like you said, using like AI with the different imaging, you know, like they're doing the 3D imaging where they like stack it up. I know in neurology, you know, like the, the brain perfusion studies that the computer analyzes to see, you know, is there a penundrum Mm -hmm. mismatch in stroke is just phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you you, you think the technology that was not available, maybe not even 10 years, maybe five years or two years ago, you know, is available now. I mean, a good example is our iPhones, which, you know, face recognition, you know, so it's not like nothing is possible. You know, if you look at the old Star Trek reruns, that's my favorite in terms of, you know, um, I forget his name. The physician has a little handheld thing that you run over and say, yeah, Yeah. and you have this or that. It's like, hey, that's so cool. How can you say it won't happen? Because I think we're getting closer to it all the time. I am a huge sci-fi reader. I'll admit it. I am a, I am kind of a geek like that. And, you know, you read some of these books or um, I remember reading like Ender's Game as a teenager, or a, a junior high student. And just some of the, you know, the, the tech in that, that was so like far out there when that book was written. It is here now. We exactly. have screens that we play on that exactly. Ender played in his book. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, many of these things are possible. And then we have all our smartwatches and you know, all the wearable um, devices, which, again, have tons of data. It's just how we incorporate it into our, you know, daily practice, yeah, practice and medical practice. That's the key. And I think that's where, you know, the, uh, the artificial intelligence, I think, should come right there with us. But, you know, I don't think it'll supersede us or maybe who knows at one point it might. I don't have a problem with it. If that's going to deliver better patient care, I'm all for it. You know, I think it's extraordinary to to think, too, as physicians, um, there may be a new role for us. I mean, I definitely think that we're definitely not in the place anymore where it's like we are God end all be all. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm um, toying around with telemedicine right now. And I know in your field with um, um, teleneurology, I mean, that's exploding right now. But I remember three or four years ago, that was like the boogie monster. It was like, how can you see patients over the screen? You can't touch them. You can't do. But but more and more, one, the market is driving it. And two, I personally use teleneurology in our um, rule ER for any kind of stroke or neurologic emergencies as having a consult on hand and it greatly influences patient care and outcomes. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I do epilepsy. Our patients are people who cannot drive. Just, you know, getting to some places is a huge deal. They depend on someone and so on. I mean, tele is a perfect setup for that. I mean, there's so much that can be done and it's still underutilized. But I think, you know, we're making those steps going in the right direction, I think. And, you know, uh, this artificial intelligence is there. The one area where I think it is crucial for people, at least at this point, is, you know, we are trained to think, you know, to join the dots when they are not clear, when the dots are not clear, because, you know, things that nobody has seen before, somebody can put it together. Whereas, you know, the computer thing is set to whatever information is fed to it. So it's only things that, you know, it can come come up with, with all the algorithms, not necessarily something that they have, you know, 
not been program has never been a new condition for instance you know it may not be something in the uh, that the ai can help but at least maybe it can help us yeah or find new patterns that right. perhaps are missing like you know with when hiv and aids came out you know we were like what is going on here i see ai is potentially like being able to look at our population health i mean even i'm thinking as like influenza season is coming on us and we're starting to pop up cases how cool would it be to have like real time population numbers of like the actual positive flu test and it popping out a map so that you can kind of see where the drift exactly. yeah global health you know it's huge there's so many places where the resources are not there but you know it could be i mean lots of people have mobile phones so you know that could be the point of connection for so many things i mean the, the possibilities are you know mind boggling really it's just, you know people have to be open, open their minds to kind of be you know or to use it i would think and i think there is a lot of resistance also even among citizens you know because it's something new how will it like you know impact what does that and the other and and the other big uh, elephant in the room is reimbursement how does it yes. you know and how does insurance company look into it and all that but i think that's the future we have to be uh, you know open to the idea yes why not incorporate it we are going to our goal is always best patient care whatever it takes why not and i think what i'm really taking away from this conversation is if you dream it it can become a reality like i i talked to many guests on this podcast that that are doing um really unique and interesting ways of practicing medicine and i think this would be one for like the inner geek inside of me is really geeking out right now because i'm the same way i'm like you know yeah if we could slap on a uh, monitor onto our patients and it feeds into our computer system why not would we be able to monitor you know they're already doing automated blood sugar monitoring um you know uh, different levels as far as like COPD with monitoring their their blood gases you know let's make our job easier and maybe we should be embracing some of these technologies instead of um pushing back on it because it seems like by the time all the studies kind of come around it seems like it's already kind of becoming status quo with things that make sense granted we need to have the studies we need to have evidence based mm-hmm. medicine but i'm really interested and excited to see um what my other colleagues come up with is because i know as i'm like looking on linkedin and and different social media you know there's so many physicians who are branching out and mm-hmm. i think help doing artificial intelligence within medicine not only would it be a cool sci-fi book but it would also be a really cool career hey no all just by definition are the ultimate geeks especially the athletes <laughs> so we actually do that you know we have a, something called a responsive neuro stimulator we actually put it in a deep electrode and we actually record it into the computer and look at the seizures yeah. so let's see already you know embraced it but you know a small tiny bit but one step yeah one step at a time well this has been a fascinating conversation we're going to have to get back on here and do this again and talk more i'm going to have to like get and do some studies and we're going to come back and talk about because i found a new best friend in ai it sounds like so if people want to get a hold of you um what's the best way for do you have a website or something they can follow you at actually no i'm you know reclamation super busy i haven't done that yet <laughs> facebook still you know okay. 
<laughs> so we will put a link to um, Facebook. And if there's anybody interested who also wants to be a sci-fi geek with us, I'm going to have them contact you. Thank you so much for talking okay. with me today. Talking to you too. Take care. So for today's kick of encouragement, I want to do another blog post that I um, wrote back in November, and it's entitled, Please Throw Your Life Away. Now let me explain. Have you ever thought, I'm throwing my life away if I blank, if I leave my practice, if I leave medicine, if I leave medicine before I pay off my student loans, if I change careers, if I do something that doesn't require seven years of schooling and on-the-job training, if I do something that doesn't include the title of doctor, if I choose a different career path that feels fun and exciting but doesn't give me the same social status? What if we looked at that thought from the other way around? I'm throwing my life away if in a different way. Think about it as what we usually throw away, garbage. So where in your life do you feel like there's garbage right now? Does your job feel like garbage? Do the hours you work completely trash your body? Does your boss make you feel disrespectful? What if you threw away the life that makes you feel like garbage? I'm saying, please throw that life away. That life feels horrible. The life doesn't allow you to be fully you. It's not serving you. So let's just imagine throwing it away. Any avenue that brings you happiness and joy is not a throwaway life. Any life that allows you to be more fully yourself and more present with your loved ones is also not a throwaway life. Here's what I want you to hear, my dear friend. It's okay to change. In so many cases, throwing your life away can actually be the bravest, truest thing that you can do. Believe me, I've done it. I left my practice even though I couldn't get out of my non-compete. I became a life coach, even though most of my doctor friends thought I was going crazy. And actually, I left the ER because I had some issues that they just started to feel like garbage again. And I went out full time as an entrepreneur. I have thrown my life away a few times. And guess what? Here's what I found. The new version of your life is so much better than staying where you were every single time it's better. So do you have something in mind that excites you, but you keep telling yourself you're throwing your life away? Sometimes you just need a neutral person to talk this through. So I'm here for you. There's lots of other coaches that I've brought on the show and the podcast. Call them, get a hold of them, get a hold of me, because we would love to talk to you about this, about the thoughts that are so exciting to you and sound like so much fun, but yet feel so limiting like you're throwing your life away. Well, that's it for today's Doctor Me First. I truly hope that it is doctoring you first. And if you are finding any kind of benefit from it, I would challenge you, please, 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 share it with some of your female physician colleagues. Even if you just send the link to two people, I just desperately ask you to share it with other people because there may be somebody out there hurting who you don't even really know, but they need to hear these words of encouragement. They need to know the stories of other women in medicine who are doing things that they have dreamed about. So please, please, please share. And always remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.